Welcome to the FPL Blues Podcast. Brian and Bucks, your two hosts, have a special guest to kick off the international break and discuss the meat and potatoes of this wild card window. This is going to be a special episode. Dan, welcome to the podcast. So great to have you. You are a diehard Wolves fan, and notably, you are one of the organizers of the hashtag FPLUSA takeover. Great to have you, man. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. That was quite the introduction. <laughs> yeah, welcome, Dan. Thanks so much for joining us. You and I had a chance to meet at a recent FPL meets in the Bay Area. So super excited to have you on the pod. Bring your great accents to uh, give the listeners <laughs> a bit of a breather from our heavy American accents. And uh, we can recently talk about your wild card, which went really well in Game Week 8. So super excited to have you on. And uh, we're just going to jump into a few interview style questions to uh, have the listeners get familiar with you if they are not already. So, um, you know, you're a legendary voice on Twitter for Wolverhampton Wolves, and you can find Dan at FPL underscore Black Wolf on Twitter. So please do give him a follow. Uh, Bucks, I think uh, you can tee it up here and we'll interview Dan. The, the hard-hitting questions are coming. Yeah, dun-dun-dun. So, Dan, great to have you from two Chelsea supporters here in the States out uh, First and foremost, I want to ask how you came to support Wolves and how you got into FPL, because it really has become a major addiction, not just for Brian and I, but also uh, we understand for you too. I'm pretty sure I was a Wolf supporter straight out the womb. Um, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I had a jersey put on me <laughs> from a very young age. Um, my whole family are Wolf supporters. So it was forced on me from very early on. And I went to my first game with my older brother when I was um, just eight years old. And I've been wow. a huge fan ever since. So almost 30 years now I've been a fan. I love Ooh. that. It's in the family. It is in the family. And in and terms of FPL, FPL, I think I've just, I've just played FPL for many, many years, probably almost 10 years now, on and off. I took a long break when I moved from the UK to the US. And then I recently started playing again in the past four years or so more serious than I used to. And now I would say I take it quite seriously, which is probably not a good thing. <laughs> but it's fun. Well, I play mainly for fun. If you're like Bucks and I, you're constantly tinkering with uh, possible minus four hits and uh, always looking for that next big score, that next captaincy hall that another player doesn't have. So awesome to have you on the pod. Being from the UK, uh, what brought you over to America as well? I actually met a girl online um 11 years ago now or more than that wow. i guess what, 14 years ago now and wow. we hit it we hit it off online and i eventually came out here to visit her and we hit it off even more in person and we decided to get married so i came over to the us on a fiance visa and got married and have been here ever since so <laughs> What a modern day love story, Bucks. Yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> is. Dan is really the original 90 day fiance, it sounds like. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. I was on the 90 day fiance visa. So we yeah, have 90 amazing. days to get married. <laughs> That's great to hear that you're enjoying your time. And um, what's kind of propelled you to help start FPL meets uh, in the US? What What is really, you know, I know there are probably not many Wolverhampton fans around the area, but uh, have you even met one? That's the next question since being over here in the States. I've I've seen a couple of Wolves shirts walking around San Francisco, but that's about it. I, I'm not friendly with any Wolves fans. I'm not aware of any group in my immediate area. Pretty much every other team, but not Wolves now. Um, I started FPL USA because that was the one thing I really missed about the UK is I pretty much talked football 24-7. All of my friends liked football. I played it. I watched it. And then when I came over here, obviously, baseball and American football are the two big sports, which I haven't really had chance to get into properly. So then I found Twitter where I had all these people talking about football. I joined that. And then I realized around my evening time when the UK is asleep, Twitter got really, really quiet. So I thought, how about I create a FPR USA hashtag to bring everyone in the USA together who likes soccer and we can all talk about it together. And it's just really exploded. We have hundreds of people now. Amazing. 
Yeah, thousands of people. It's it's pretty crazy. I'm a member of one of the leagues that you put together, one of the mini leagues for the hashtag FPL USA. And it's great. There's a little bit of side banter and smack talk. You know, I don't know these people from a hole in the wall, but because we all love FPL, it really is amazing uh, the community that it could build and the friendships you can form through it. It's uh, it's a very unique thing in that way. Yeah, I mean, I I would say I've met friends on this. Um, a few I've met in person. A few I have not yet, but. I've, I've certainly can say they're my friends now. So it's really great. And I'm looking forward to more meetups and traveling around the US to meet people who I've been speaking to every day. Really yeah, cool. we can we can definitely agree with that. We were recently mm-hmm. both in Brooklyn for the uh, Fantasy Football yeah. Fest event and just great to connect with over 100 other FPL managers, even though there were no matches on. It was still great to uh, meet some people and hopefully help spread the joy and the also the agony of FPL uh, to more and more football fans here in America. It's really growing, I think, as a a sport and as a fantasy game. I know um, NFL fantasy is still by far the most popular one, but I think FPL is growing and growing every year. It's really cool to see. You got in on the ground floor, both uh, with the U.S. love of soccer and also for FPL. So uh, we're, we're here just joining on the ride, and we're really thrilled that you're able to join us on this podcast. So thank you again. Uh, one last thing, you mentioned your that you play football as well. Uh, what's your position? And then who's your favorite player, all time or current? You take it however you want. I, I started off as a center back in the okay. UK. Um, Me too. And then, when I, and then when I moved to the US, I converted to a striker because I thought it'd be more fun. So <laughs> I now play as a striker. Love I'm that. Kind of, I'm kind of like a Timu Puki. I'm not very fast. <laughs> But I can score. A poacher. That's all that's needed. A poacher, exactly. Good instincts. Like like a wolf. Instincts, right? There we go. There we go. Oh, I like that. (laughs) In terms of my I was always center back because I was tall and I wasn't very good with my feet. So uh, my job was to throw my body around and uh, just be a basketball player on the pitch. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) There we go. Let's get into the scores from blank game week eight. Uh, I know Dan has a wild card, so we're going to double click on his team, but you topped the scoring for the three of us. So why don't you unveil how your team performed and then we'll get to Dan and then we'll get to me in soggy third place. All right. I had my biggest game week of the season, netted 70 points, used my two free transfers, brought in Kane and JWP and then Captain Kane because I knew I was going to wild card heading into game week nine. So honestly thrilled with the results. I think um, I was a little, bu- a little bit behind the scenes here. I think it was like 10, 27, three minutes before the deadline. And I called Bucks up in a panic because I was trying to figure out if I was going to go Sun or get Kane. Ultimately, I did go with Kane because of all the rumors about Sun probably getting rotated. And uh, rightfully so. He's been playing like shit. And so it was uh, it was a good opportunity to go with Kane as a differential captain and watching that six 2 demolition derby of Lester was uh, filled with mixed uh, feelings because what could have been, I could have had a sun captain instead for 38 points, but Hey, I can't complain too much about the results. Um, Saliba comes in, Oh, 15 points. And honestly, I was actually at a concert this weekend. Um, so I actually was out late on Saturday night and then I wake up, to a 15 point just wet haul from Saliba and then just went right back to bed. It was it was a great feeling. I didn't watch any of the Arsenal match live, just caught the highlights. So uh, incredible, pretty fortunate header from, from Saliba. And a man who had no goals last season for his club now has two in the first eight and uh, two pretty spectacular goals. Elsewhere, I had Foden uh, in my side. He comes in with eight and then Jesus with six. The most important thing, though, Bucks, is we want to highlight that my goalkeeper, once again, a big fat zero. Danny Ward, zero points. So, so far, (laughs) if the listeners are keeping track, I have had four consecutive one-point hauls from Danny Ward. Then I switched my other keeper, Iverson, to Sanchez for back-to-back one-pointers, and now I've gotten a zero. So I have six total points in seven game weeks from my keeper, and that's why I'm ranked a million. But, hey, 70 points, feeling pretty spry, straight into wild card, got a 970K green arrow because that's what happens when you're at 2 million overall. But uh, (laughs) 
trending in the right direction and feeling good on wildcard. I'm actually going to be taking a little uh, vacation here because I'm in between jobs for the first time and I will be heading to Belize. So on international break, I will be chinternational and I will be tinkering every single day on the phone. So that's me for this game week, Bucks 70 points. Bravo. Well done. Uh, put the kinky boots away now. All right. Saliba wet hall. Uh, can't get that oh, out baby. of my mind and I'm going to have nightmares about that. But let's talk about Dan on wild card. Black Wolf, how'd you do? How'd you do it? So I got 62 points this week, which I'm pretty happy with nice. on a wild card. Um, going back to the sun thing, I think sometimes having too much information is a bad thing because I was all set to put in Sun and captain him oh, for this week. Heartbreaking. And I, that was Brutal. kind of my plan for the past three or four weeks. And then all these rumors about him being rested and him playing like crap. I thought, um, there's no way I'm going to do that. And now obviously I wish I did, but still. I mean, I mean, look, look, Dan, like a lot of managers, they go through their process of evaluating how many minutes a player is going to get, especially if you're going to hand them the armband, right? So if Sun yeah. is rumored to be rested or rotated, you can't give him the armband or even bring him into your team. So it's especially on wildcard, you need to have these players for a number of game weeks. So he was a bit of, of a risk, only had one assist prior to this. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's I own two kits and he's one of them. He's one of my favorite players. And yeah. it was it was tough to see him come in and just hit absolutely galazos over everybody on Leicester. Yeah. So I, I regardless, I got a 62 points. So I got um, a 300k green arrow. So I'm now sitting at 580k, which I'm pretty happy with at this point in the season. Nice. Um, I decided to play my wild card because my my team wasn't looking great for this week, and I didn't really see the huge benefit of delaying it one more game week, other than the chance of injuries, of course. But I compared my potential game week nine team to my game week eight team. And they were pretty similar. So I thought, why not play it a game week early and catch the price rises and things like that? Um, I was pretty set on the majority of the team. So I had Pope, Trippier, Canseo, Madison, Martinelli, um, Haaland, Mitrovic, Everson, Andreas, and Reese James. They were always going to be in my wildcard team, no matter what. Then I had a few decisions to make. One of them was, shall I go... Isaac and De Bruyne, or shall I go Foden and Kane? And I put a tweet out about this this week because I must have spent three or four hours debating that decision. And it turns out it was a one point different. So it, it didn't really matter which one I picked. <laughs> but I ended up going Isaac and De Bruyne for that one. And then the final decision I had to make, and I'm kind of regretting this one, I think, is the midfielder and the two remaining defender spots. So I went for Jared Bowen and then Emerson and Nico Williams. I kind of wish I went to Saka because that was my other option. I was going to play Saka for two weeks and then put in Zaha. But I decided to put in Bowen. And now I have Emerson and Nico Williams as my two remaining defender spots. Um, Nico Williams concedes five goals a game, it seems. <laughs> and Emerson is not nailed anymore. So, you know, I, I already yeah. have a little bit of a fire to deal with, but I think it's fine for now. Yeah, that, that structure seems the most template in terms of moving to a 3-4-3. Is that yeah. the formation you're in, right, Dan? Yeah, yeah I, I mean, think that's 3-4-3. Yeah, that's something that I'm looking to, you know, basically divest out of some of my premium defenders and move that money into attack. So having two budget defenders is pretty common. Really, it's probably tough to miss Patterson because he's looking like he'll be the best budget enabler, and I'm happy to swoop him up on wildcard, uh, given that Although Nico is hella involved, we're not seeing him get anywhere close to a clean sheet. Even, even at halftime, right? Like they're up 1-0 or the game before they're up 2-0. And you just know that they're going to concede. So it's, it's tough to have him. Obviously, he has some attacking upside, but they're not going to keep any cleans. Maybe three to five the whole season. So mm -hmm. that that's tough. But uh, I do think it's funny, like you admitted that you spent three or four hours just deciding like a, a key <laughs> combination and that's that's prototypical fpl management right there you're just going to yeah. bed looking at the two screenshots of the team swiping back and forth like all right maybe maybe it'll come to me you know, like a genie in my dreams and it'll help me figure out what's <laughs> gonna be the difference and then in the end one bleeping point <laughs> exactly and the reason i went for the de bruyne and isaac combination is because i'm planning on bringing salah back in probably game week 12 so having de bruyne there rather than kane 
lets me do it without hits. I've kind of planned ahead, which, you know, it's probably not going to work out that way because of all the crazy things that have been happening <laughs> lately. But if it goes to plan, I should be able to get both Trent and Salah back in by game week 12 without using any hits. So I've planned like it ahead that. pretty well, assuming that there's no fires, of course. Yeah, and that's that's something that never stays true uh, on the west coast of the USA, let alone in FPL. So, uh, but your team did really nice, and I think you would be flying if you would have got that Newcastle clean sheet that uh, myself, you, and many on FPL Twitter were banking on. Kind of going into this match, I was stunned when Bournemouth scored a goal, um, wiping the clean sheet from Trippier, who's in my team, uh, let alone from the double or triple Newcastle defense that some managers brought in on wildcard. So you could have really been looking at 70, 75 points easy uh, with a couple things fall different. Yeah. And I'm, I made the mistake of checking my rank before the Leicester and the Arsenal game. Oh, no. I, was at, I was at like a hundred K. I was like, wow, this is a huge green arrow. And then of course, Sun gets a hat trick. Kane gets 10 points. Saliba gets 15. Jesus and Saka get um, a lot of points. So I ended up not as a big of a green that I thought I'd get. But oh well. That Arsenal game was definitely uh, one for the non-wild carters uh, like myself. And I'll I'll close this out. I end up with taking my first hit of the season for minus four. And I land a red arrow of about 100, almost 200,000 spots uh, with 54 points total. Uh, Only good bright spots in my team. Captain Holland never seems to fail. He ends up with 12 points. KDB, who I brought in for Sala, ends up with 10. Cancelo gets nine, and Ramsdale and Jesus each go for six. Trippier closes it up with the uh, FPL assist for five points. But I barely beat out the average of 50 points. And, you know, I'm ranked at a pretty decent spot right now in the season. And now I just have to really weigh up whether it's time to wildcard on game week nine, or should I be a little bit different and continue a relatively good start uh, to drag it out a little bit further. Uh, So that's something I'm really weighing up in the next 48 to 72 hours. Uh, We can't be away from our phones and from tinkering for too long, or we'll go just flat out insane. But uh, insane is a good word to use for the manager of the game week score, Tela Fateh Karim, 83 points. Maron, what a score. (laughs) With warding goal too. I know, with the zero <laughs> from one of his 11. Crazy. Yeah. He had Captain Sun for 38. He had returns from KDB for 10, from Cancelo for nine. He had seven from Dean. I mean, to get points from Dean wow. is the, just wild. The I mean, master troll himself delivers seven <laughs> points for uh, the manager of the game week. Well done. And uh, he had performances and returns of half dozen from Holland, from Jesus, he had five from Trippier. I mean, there are just points throughout this starting 11. So bravo to Fata. Really, really impressive team performance in blank game week eight. All right, we're going to take our first break and talk about some of the action around the pitch in blank game week eight, and then look at our watch list, which is currently expanding as we have a couple weeks off from FPL. We'll be right back. And we're back. Let's dive into the top performers and floppers from blank game week eight, starting with the thrashing of the weekend Spurs over Leicester six two. Danny Ward. I mean, the guy can't save a shot to save his grandma, let alone to save the ball going into the back of the net. It's brutal to watch. I mean, you can't be too hard on him. The rest of the squad just has no defensive proficiencies at all. Um, you know, this one is all about Mr. Sonny Boy, our one of our favorite players here on the pod. I rode him to a really great finish last season, and uh, he was the prototypical Jordan meme of, and I took that personally, of being rotated. You could see him on the bench at the start of that match that he was, you know, pissed off to be benched and a player of his quality should be, but he had not been performing. And so like we talked about earlier on the pod, both Dan and I swerved him and he comes in and just hits two amazing goals from outside the box. 
left foot, right foot. He can do it all. And then he tacks on a kind of uh, scrappy last goal that got half blocked and rolls, trickles into the back of the net. Um, as a Kane captainer, I was like, square that ball, square that ball. Come on. He's wide open. But I uh, can't blame Sun for um, going for goal and going for that hat trick in you know, 20 minutes. And especially since he's had such a tough start to the season. And honestly, we want him to be firing so that we have more FPL options uh, in the premium bracket because it'll create wider variance in teams and it'll give us a chance to find some differentials and make up some ground, right? Yeah, but that, it, it was really great man management from Conte to, to Benson. You can tell it really worked. He, like you said, he was so pissed off to be on the bench. And then he came on and really wanted to prove himself. You, you could see him getting emotional when he scored. So I, I don't think anyone dislikes him. Everyone loves yeah. him. I love him as a player. And he seems like a real nice person too. So I was happy he got his hat trick. And like you said, he now becomes a another option in that premium spot. That's right. One that I probably cannot get to with my current plan. So I'm I'm a little nervous about it. <laughs> they have yeah, some good fixtures yeah. coming up. Spurs do have some tough fixtures, but I, I love that he was kind of pointing over. He was gesturing over to the sideline to Conte when he scored that second goal. Uh, I think he's a real humble player and a humble guy, but he knows that he, he was on a knife's edge the way he was playing. He was just wasting so many chances. So the fact to see him really come good in a big way like that, I expect that he is going to have an more big performances to come. He's a player that when he hits form, he really uh, hits the ground in a real way. Yeah, exactly. We're all looking for that purple patch where Sun could get back-to-back braces or could really get some double-digit hauls for us. So it'll be interesting to see how he trickles into FPL managers' wild cards coming up between game week eight and nine. And Kane continues to trickle on. We, we love the fact that he is involved in goals. He's adds another headed goal to his uh, tally this season. And then he's able to get FPL assists as well when the likes of Sun and Kulu and Richarlison are uh, finishing. So I think it's, it's tough with the perma cap of Holland right now, but it did provide an opportunity that I was very interested in, in going for Kane as the captain. Um, And especially because I was locked out of three city players. So Kane or Sun was going to be my captain this week. And it came off for 20 points. I make up eight points on the kind of Holland perma cap. And that's a, that's a lot of, um, a lot of places at my overall rank at the moment. Yeah. And then coming in, in game week 11, you have city playing Liverpool and you have Spurs at home to Everton. So once again, you have Kane and Son as captain options for that game week. So I think if you own Kane or Son, you're going to be getting a good amount of points in game week 11. Yeah, I agree. And that's that's a reason potentially to wildcard now in game week nine to kind of get ahead of that curve. Um, and also because we know that City and Arsenal have a blank in 12. So there are things coming down the pipe that are going to change the way that we approach the current template and kind of move the needle on who is in FPL managers' thoughts and who is in their squads. Yeah, it's also interesting looking at this game, the overall XG for Tottenham per understat was 1.99 for Spurs, and it was actually 1.59 for Leicester. So the gap was actually, from an XG perspective, was small, but because of Sun's excellent finishing, he's world-class he blew that expected goals out of the water. I was impressed just from an eye test from Madison, who is we'll talk about on the watch list later. He's the only relevant player from Leicester, and things could get really rocky if they do sack Brennan Rodgers. Uh, it's something we've talked about on the pod the last few episodes, but what's your take on Leicester and what they should do with Rodgers, uh, Dan? I mean, he has to go, right? They're just, they just look terrible right now. I think I think he has some kind of clause, right, where they have to pay him something like ten million if they fire him. Yeah, twenty million. Twenty million release clause if he terminates the contract mid-season. Yeah. That's that must a lot be of the money. only reason they're keeping him. They they're way too good to be performing the way they are. Madison's the only guy who seems to be performing. And I have to say, by the way, as an owner, that last game, I have to be disappointed with the seven points. He had so many chances. He could have easily got double digits that game. Um, yeah, and I think Daka was really letting Madison down that game. Yeah. And just the team, the team around him seems like, you know, they're not listening to the coach. They're not listening to training. And Madison is just a consummate professional. 
Guy has aspirations to be in the Three Lions World Cup team. He's 27. He's in the prime of his career. But unfortunately for Leicester fans, I think his best chance of long-term success and hitting that next level is to leave the club and go elsewhere because that team is just middling in a bad spot right now. And uh, they can't keep clean sheets. And right now they're not clicking at the level where they can score with the top teams in the Premier League. So it's a bad situation. And I don't know if you've watched, if you watch the Leicester games, but every single time they cut to Brendan Rodgers, all he's doing is like clapping his hands like a seal. Like every or time yelling at, up, at, yelling at his one of his hands. assistant coaches or something. It's all he ever does. He never seems to be giving out instructions to his players or showing any kind of compassion. He just like claps his hands like a seal. I was saying that to my wife last week. Um, <laughs> he, he has to go, surely. Dan, you would be clapping all the way to the bank too if you had a $20 million poor <laughs> performance clause. I mean, that's a great get out of jail free pass. You got to give credit to his agent for helping negotiate that one because that is uh, that's some big, big coin that he could um, obviously net out. And given the fact that they didn't sign any players in the summer window, um, you know, we're kind of expecting them to maybe revert back to form with no Europa League. And unfortunately, this is going downhill even faster than imagined. So, all right, let's keep it moving. Let's talk about the other big FPL match of the game week. And that was Arsenal versus Brentford Bucks. This was one, like you said before, Wild Carters who avoided and swerved Arsenal assets. They were punished this game week. And this is uh, some more variance that is really interesting to see within the community. Yeah, this was a revenge match from the opening game of last season. It was away at Brentford. And last season, Brentford stomped Arsenal out the gate 3-0. This season, Arsenal pulled it back on them 3-0 in front of Brentford's home crowd. And they really silenced the crowd from the get-go. They were the better team uh, from the opening kickoff. Saka looked fantastic. He had a brace of assists. Jesus gets a goal. Saliba gets a goal. There's clean sheet points all around. Uh, the only one who didn't really join in on the scoring party was Martinelli, but he also was super involved. So uh, Arsenal, they are top of the table for a reason. It is not a fluke. I think we could safely say that. They haven't truly been tested by the best of the best teams uh, from a pedigree perspective, but with the North London Derby coming in game week nine, there will be no hiding from this Arsenal if they are real or pretenders uh, after this coming international break. We'll really know uh, if they're legit or if they're a team to quit. I mean, we're going to assume that they put up a good showing versus Spurs. Fortunately for FPL managers, their assets are also cheap that even if you do go off of them on wildcard, you can get them back in one move. And that's huge, right? Like the likes of Saka, Jesus, Saliba, all these guys are just so priced to buy this season that you can avoid them for a few game weeks when they have some tough matches, especially coming up the likes of Tottenham, Liverpool, back-to-back game weeks. You'd assume that they would score. So I would swerve their defense, but I would be happy to hold their attackers. I know on wildcard for me, I'm definitely looking at keeping at least one Arsenal attacker. I, I agree. I think, you don't have I think any, right? I have Dan, Martinelli. Have... Okay. And I think their attackers are definitely a hold. I mean, like you said, you have the Tottenham and you have the Liverpool game, and then you have a blank in 12. But either side of that, you have Leeds and Southampton, who you're really going to want an Arsenal attacker for. So I think if you have Martinelli, especially with the value you have tied in him, I think I have something like 0.5 value tied in him. I think Great he's a keep for me, and you just bench him in 12. Yeah, and I think he's he's startable against Spurs and against Liverpool. I mean, neither of those defenses look like Fort Knox right now. So I think Arsenal, I would tip them to score at least a goal in both those games, uh, if not two. All right, the next match we want to talk about is Wolverhampton versus City because, of course, we got the Black Wolf himself. So this is a match that happens at 4.30 in the morning on the Pacific side. Dan, tell me the range of emotions you went through between 4.30 at kickoff and 4.32 in the morning. My first feeling Oh, that's a low play. blow. Brian, that is a low blow. We bring on a special guest <laughs> and you just kick him right in the knees. That's not nice. 
it's all good it's what it's all about my first feeling was how tired i am waking up at four o'clock in the morning to watch wolves play city when i know for a fact we're not going to get anything out of the game but I, I watched the whole thing um and it went as i expected we got slaughtered um the red card did not help whatsoever it, it was just depressing to watch really <laughs> <laughs> But it, it could have went worse. I think to only concede three goals against City when you're down to 10 men and you put Neves in at centre-back rather than bring on another defender, I think we did all right. I, yeah, relatively pretty... speaking, I thought it. I didn't think it went so bad. I mean, if Collins gets the karate kid uh, out of his game, I mean, they were actually, they weren't, you know, Holland is scoring on everybody, but they weren't so far behind, I thought, 11 v 11. Yeah, so from a City perspective, we see KDB pull all the strings. He gets two assists in his sleep. He's just such a great player. I wish I was able to fit him in just from a pure watch perspective into my team. But um, what can you say about City? If you don't have KDB or Holland, you're you're playing FPL wrong. So you got to have at least one of those guys. And then I was happy to see Foden score a goal in my side. Uh, oddly enough, he's less than 8% owned. So that was a big eight pointer for me this weekend. I just love the fact that he's playing on the left and the right with Mares taking a dip in form. We're seeing him slot in on both sides. Um, and then the other storyline from this match is just the fact that Cancelo just shits out bonus points and gets a nine pointer, even though he was not involved like at all. And so his defensive recoveries and his completed passes just make him an absolute must as well for this city cyclone of a team. Yeah, Canseo is just a bonus points monster. He, if, he, if they get a clean sheet, he's almost guaranteed to get at least one bonus point every game. So It's I, interesting because the, the new formation I thought would really hurt Cancelo with them playing much more narrow. So he's not getting as many attacking opportunities but he's still getting so far forward. It's almost like he's playing an, inver an inverted fifth uh, midfielder at points. And it's his, his skill level and his, you know, IQ on the field. It's, it's really like he is a little pep out there some games because he's just moving all the pieces. He makes one pass. So a player steps a couple feet this way, and then the pass comes back to him. He's making it. A cutting pass he's a really impressive and a real talent on city he's in the perfect system and the perfect team for him to really excel now that we've spoken about a lot of the successes of the game week let's talk about some of the notable misses from blank game week eight other than the teams that didn't feature we got to talk about two popular fpl assets from fulham in the likes of mitrovich and andreas unfortunately Fulham scored three goals and both of those players blank. This is going to be a rare occurrence if they ever score three goals again in the Premier League without those two scoring points. So, Bucks, I know you brought in Mitro, and I was very bullish on him last week on the pod, thought that he could actually cover Kane, and was surprising to see him blank after they put up three. I blame you, Brian, actually, because I you was available always do. for you at 10.28, I was there to be a sounding board and I gave you sound advice and I look to you and you're like, this ESAC guy, he's a rotation risk. He stinks. Go Mitrovic, 10 out of 10. And you know what? My heart <laughs> whoa, had been whoa, set whoa, on whoa. ESAC. Seven you're points mincing difference. My and I'm on a, I'm on a red arrow and it's all because of my podcast, my brother in podcast, my brother in blue, Brian Chin. He threw me under the bus, ladies and gentlemen. I made the my own decision, but it was it was you in my ear. You were my evil, evil devil on my shoulder. Look, I'm always the evil devil on the shoulder, especially when we go out for pints. But look, you were not <laughs> committed to a game week nine wild card, and therefore Mitro moving forward is a better option than Isak. We don't really know what he's going to do, especially when Callum Wilson comes back. Will they play two up top? How will that work? Who's on pens? And so it was pretty fortunate for Isak to get his nine pointer from a penalty and to have Mitro blank. Like the, the process was there. We thought that yeah, it was sound. Score. It was sound. The, the, the process was there and that's what you have to trust. Now I will say I was playing Jedi mind tricks on you to make sure that you got the <laughs> player in with less points. So I can help hopefully catch you in the FPL blues. Yeah, it all but... <laughs> comes out. It all comes out in the wash, ladies and gentlemen. 
Dan, you, I mean, you see it firsthand. You see the bullying that happens on this podcast. I do. <laughs> I do. I mean, Mitrovic scoring against Brentford and then Arsenal and then Brighton and then Tottenham and then blanking against Nottingham Forest. It's just typical. I mean, uh, it was the, it was the right decision. I agree with the decision. It's just a, a bad outcome. I have both Isaac and Mitrovic, so I was happy. But I watched that Newcastle game, and there's no way Isaac should have came away with nine points. He was so oh, quiet yeah. the whole game. He did nothing, and then he gets the penalty. It was like uh, yeah. it was unbelievable. It was a little scary if you have multiple Newcastle players. How inept they looked against a team that we are pretty much writing off this early in the season in Bournemouth. Bournemouth came to their stadium. And kind of kicked the shit out of them for, I would say, 75 out of the 90 minutes. And then Newcastle finally got their act together, got that penalty, leveled the game. But that was not a deserved split point. Uh, Bournemouth really should have escaped with all three, I think. Yeah, I mean, you look at you look at Newcastle and, yeah, they're, they're doing well in 10th place. They have good assets. But if you really look at the win, loss and draw, they've only win one game out of those seven. So maybe they're not as pretty. good as we seem to think they are, you know? Yeah. yeah. You know what? Which I, I don't like saying the... considering I have a triple up right now. But Dan, <laughs> I, I agree with you because this table is in such a weird place. I was looking at it and, you know, we were waxing poetically earlier in the season about Crystal Palace and about some of these other teams that were really throwing up shocking performances, not necessarily getting wins, but getting quality draws and putting on hard fought, you know, 1 defeats. And you look at the table and there's a lot of teams that we have glowed about that are in 12th to 14th place. So it's just a very bizarre point in the season. And teams like Brighton, you know, they're unexpectedly top half of the table and there's a lot of uncertainty around them. So at least Newcastle, you know what you're getting, but uh, they definitely have failed to hit up to expectation so far this season. I think that's fair for to say. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like you said, you look at the table and let's just pick my team, for example, Wolves. Everyone's saying like how terrible Wolves are right now. They're a complete avoid. One win and they go above Newcastle and Brentford into ninth yeah, place. doesn't make that's sense. how close <laughs> the table is. It's just, you know, that there's no clear good picks and bad tip picks from this table, I don't think. It's just the mindset we have is, oh, Newcastle have these new owners or these exciting players. They've only lost one game. Yeah, but they've only won one also. So yeah, there's there's not much in the table for IRL no. Premier League, and there's not much in the rankings overall for FPL because no. 10 additional points that could just shoot you up a couple hundred thousand places. It's still very early. I think the assessment of Newcastle is that they're priced to buy, they have good fixtures coming up, and that's a reason why you probably went with ESOC. I mean, we have Fulham and Brentford up next. There's definitely shouts for goals in those matches. I just worry about their creativity and how they're going to actually get more chances set up for the likes of Isak when teams kind of park the bus. So I think in January, I've been shouting this out to Bucks. I want Madison to join this Newcastle side. I would love that uh, combination from a creative uh, force in the midfield to pair next to Bruno G. So that's uh, that's one that I'm really hoping comes to fruition because I think they have a few good assets on their side from an attacking perspective, but the rest of it is kind of middling. You know, Almiron is good at pressing. Bruno G is a box to box, but not really an attacker or a creative hub. So I think they're kind of missing that player because, you know, Ryan Frazier starts that that guy is not going to get it done against the top teams. So um, that that would be my take right now on Newcastle. Yeah. And I'm curious what happens when Callum Wilson is back. I think he's supposed to be back next game week after the international break. Um, do they move Isaac out wide? Potentially. I don't think they're going to spend that much money on a player just to bench him for Wilson. So I'm curious I, if they I play two up top or play him out wide. And then who is on pens, right? Callum Wilson is pretty good at pens and he's kind of been at the club longer. So um, even, even when Isak went to go take the pen, there was a little conversation with Trips if yeah. uh, he was going to sneak in there and try and nab a six-point goal for uh, FPL <laughs> yeah. managers. I'm pretty sure uh, Wilson will take the penalty kicks. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Dan. I think uh, he's he's the entrenched leader of that team. So when he's healthy, which is a big when, uh, he will be the one on penalty kicks. Let's keep it moving. Let's talk about one more club in the disappointment category, and they are actually below Dan's team, Wolves, and that is West Ham. The Hammers are failing to see any nails in this Premier League season. The fact that they are 
so low on the table with so many attacking options and they just can't buy a goal. I mean, that Everton game, I'm not sure if either of you watched it because maybe you're not total gluttons for punishment, but that was a brutal performance from the Hammers. I mean, they barely registered any chances that troubled Begovic at all. It was paltry. Yeah, I, I watched it. It wasn't great. Um, no. as, a, as, a, as a Bowen owner he, did, owner, he did have his chances. Bowen could have got some points from that game. But in general, West Ham just look, I don't know, tired, I guess, from the Europa League. I'm not sure how to classify it, but... They're, they're they not look the same frazzled. Right I was I was telling my wife that they kind of look like they're playing like elementary school soccer, where like everyone's just running towards the ball, and there's not really like clear strategy of like if I pass it here, then it goes to this place. If it, they they're just kind of running, they're all really talented individual players, but they're not really linking together in a way that's creative and giving them more than they are as individuals. It's they're a frustrating team right now, and Moyes might be in trouble. They've had some really difficult fixtures to start with. They've had some tough games, and now they have a real nice run of fixtures, and you would hope that fixtures breed form. But I don't know. They didn't show it against Everton. But Ever Absolutely. Everton, I think, aren't as bad as people think, especially at home. I think Everton are a very good team at home, actually. They, they know how to defend. They know how to keep clean sheets at home. So I think I the real test is the next three games at home to Wolves, at home to Fulham, away to Southampton. If they don't come away with at least six points from those games, then I think people are going to start to question David Moyes. Yeah, that's a good call. I think Bowen, based on his performance last year, which was absolutely phenomenal, he warranted his huge price rise. It was interesting to see that he got priced at 8.5, whereas all the other popular uh, mids at 8.0 uh, came in at that slot, but now he's fallen so far from grace that he's, you know, 8.1, much more affordable, much more uh, easy to swap with those other options. So even though um, he didn't return in this game, I thought he had a few chances that uh, could have led to FPL points on a different day. So I think you're in a good spot to hold him for the next three and then reassess uh, from there. But at his price tag, again, easy to go back to Saka. Uh, after game week 12, easy to rotate to Diaz or Foden. So I think he's a good shout in most teams just based on his kind of slot in that price range. I agree. I'm going to give, I'm going to see how he looks against Wolves. And if he's really not looking great, I am tempted to swap him for Zaha. In oh, 10. short leash, Dan. Short I know, leash on, I know, this, but... on this wolf. My, my idea for my wildcard is for to put in Madison and Bowen and to assess them in two games. Um, see which one looks like they're underperforming, see which one looks like they'll be good going forward, and swap one of them for Zaha. Oh but, man, but you if know, you take Bowen, if you take Bowen out before Fulham at home and then Southampton back to back, that's that, that could uh put you in a situation where you use a transfer to you know, obviously we'll see what he looks like against Wolves, but I mean your upside there isn't that high given wolves are pretty sturdy. So um, just just future thoughts, um, you know, I would give him those games and, and reassess later. But I understand, you know, when you're when you have so many options at that price bracket, it, it's tough not to be like rip him out of your team. He was you know blanked against Wolves, blanked against Everton, and then um, then maybe he delivers. But uh, definitely some difficult decisions coming up for you. It is. And I think it's more because Zahar is something like 0.9 cheaper. So if I do move to Zaha, then I have the funds to be able to get Trent and Salah back in without a hit. So it's not that I'm just like, oh, Bowen's crap. I'm going to take him out straight away. It's more like I need the funds. So do I take out Madison or Bowen? I mean, I might change my mind, but that's my thoughts right now. Dan, I also want to just agree with you because I think Zaha has more in his bag than Bowen is offering right now because he has penalty kicks. And from my eye test watching these games, I think Crystal Palace is much more likely to score two two plus goals than West Ham are at this point in the season. So I just think that I I was even going to ask if you had two free transfers, would you consider doing the swap before the Chelsea match? Because a lot of these defenses that are getting by on pedigree, like Chelsea, like Spurs, you know, they're not actually even like your team Wolves. They're not so solid in the back when it really comes down to an every game uh, matchup perspective. And I think that Zaha is just as likely to score a goal against Chelsea as, uh, you know, Bowen is against Wolves. I, I don't think there's too much in that. 
I agree. If I was on a wild card, I would definitely have Zaha in. Interesting. Right now. And good good fact- preview for, for my team later on, or my uh, oh, watch list and the midfielders I'm considering. And uh, Bowen is not one of those. So I get a little bit of a uh, view onto the last game versus Everton. Um, quickly want to touch on the West Ham defense. I think they've looked pretty solid. They give up you know one scrappy goal in this match. Um, but overall, all of their assets are 4.5 and, and lower. So whether you're going for Zuma or Sufal, those are probably the two options. They've played pretty steady defense. It's been the attack that's been the problem. So on wildcard, I'm definitely looking at one of those 4.5s to come in. Uh, the Emerson bandwagon, though, seems to have lost its luster, mainly because Moyes is switching formation. So he's not going to start at wing back. Uh, Cresswell is, you know, plays fullback or left-sided center back. So um, he's not somebody you would rely on. You definitely go for Patterson as that budget enabler instead. Good shout. Let's take a break. When we come back, we will look at our watch list. All right. Welcome back to the FPL Blues podcast. You have Bucks, Brian, and Dan, a.k.a. FPL Black Wolf here. No, it's Bucks, Brian, and Black Wolf, baby. Come on, the triple Bs. (laughs) Triple Triple threat. The triple threat. What are we, the big baller brand bucks? <laughs> yeah, for sure. As long as uh, oh, I'm LaMelo and uh, you, I think uh, Brian, I can be La- I'll Le-Angelo. take Lonzo. You're probably oh, Angelo wow. in the uh, OR rankings department. Get the F out of here with that nonsense. Dan doesn't know <laughs> this, this inside NBA slash basketball talk. So we're, we'll keep it moving here. Um, so a lot of managers are deciding whether to wild card or not. Uh, wildcarding during the international break is a popular time because there will be price changes and you just have more time to actually assess the next four matches. This for me, honestly, was the kind of catalyst in deciding not to wildcard in game week eight, just because it's kind of felt rushed uh, given that we heard about the cancellations and the blank game week earlier in the week and um, life gets in the way. So whether you're going to wildcard now, it's either now or kind of going into game week 12 when there is the blank between popular assets from City and Arsenal. So these are the two times you want to use your wildcard before we're going to have that wildcard uh, reset for the World Cup. So I've activated the chip, so I have some players on my watch list. But overall, Bucks, would you agree with that's kind of the logic in terms of using that runway to kind of plan for the next eight game weeks or so? Yeah, I agree with you. I think the perfect windows that are remaining to wildcard is that game week seven to nine bucket that we're in right now. Uh, Dan, you obviously already used yours. Brian, you're in the process of using yours. And then the next one is going to be game week 11 to 13. So if you're really heavy on Liverpool and City assets, maybe you use it early in game week 11 to jump on some Spurs guys. If you're using it in 12, maybe that's the opportunity to uh get out off city and Arsenal players for a one week punt and bring in other guys that are going to be starting. And then if you're using it in 13, that's a way to dead end your team into game week 12, where you have no Arsenal and no city players. And then you bring them all back in on your wild card in 13 shorter opportunity to gain the points um, in that plan. But uh, if your team is doing well, that is definitely a viable strategy. And I'm a big fan of the dead ending your team. Like this week, I took a punt on moving Salah out and bringing in Kane, which you could still make my wild card going into game week nine, but I had seven and a half million to punt on. So I just one week punt went for JWP. That was a big failure. He ends up with one point, but in a game week where there were not very many options of midfielders under seven and a half, it was a struggle bucks. We were like going all the way down to Gordon as my, uh, as my replacement, even though I had seven and a half million this week on a one week punt, uh, he ended up with three points. So that would have been helpful to have, or I could have just started Bailey, but Hey, it is what it is. And you should definitely just plan your transfers leading up to that wild card moment. So you can maximize uh, potential punts and then reset your team. So definitely agree with that strategy. Um, let's jump into it. What do we do if you're on wild card, like myself, do you go with three premiums or do you go with two? So curious to hear FPL Black Wolf's take here. 
I'm I'm a fan of the two premium option. I think having three premiums, you're, you know, you, the rest of your squad takes a bit too much of a hit, in my opinion. I, I, so I really like the idea of having two premiums and then having a few of these 8 million or so assets in the middle. There's some good options going forward in that 8 million range. Um, and like at the beginning when none of, none of them were performing, I think we're going to start seeing them performing now with the fixtures they have. So it's definitely two premiums for me. I agree with you, Dan. And you mentioned you're a planner. So uh, the real thing with wildcard right now is that you're just going to need a route back to Sala or back to Trent. And Dan, you were mentioning you already have that figured out. And Brian or any other listeners that are on Game Week 9 wildcard, if you're going the no Sala route, which is definitely viable until Game Week 12, you need to figure out a way to make sure you're going to have cash in the bank to swap him back in, whether it's for KDB, for Kane, for Sun, for Sterling, however you're setting up your team, you're not going to want to be going without Salah up until the World Cup. I mean, that's just insanity. Yeah, you're going to want Salah back in, especially for potential captaincy if he's looking back in form. And I mean, it, it is crazy that we have Holland play the full 90 minutes. Pep uses five subs. And Holland still stays on the pitch. So he puts all of that previous banter and press release garbage about him being rotated and wanting to keep him fresh. He's been playing 60 to 65 minutes in so many of these matches, still getting braces, hat tricks, and he looks to be in, in great form mentally and physically. So he's a permacap option right now. So I do agree that the point of having at least two premiums is that you can maybe go back and forth with captaincy. But we don't need to do that right now. So it doesn't make sense to have three premiums because you're only going to captain one of them um, from my perspective. So that that's what I'm leaning towards, having two and then spreading out the funds to get, you know, Foden, get Madison, Zaha, have those guys next to the two premiums and then have a route from either KDB up to the likes of Salah or making a double move and having, you know, Kane up top and being able to go Kane and Foden to Sala and some other striker in that price bracket. So definitely some options. We have the time though. Like we have four game weeks. So my plan is to not have Sala and I'll bank two free transfers leading up into the game week 12 when he comes back into our thoughts. And a lot of managers should be able to pull that off because we have budget enablers like Andreas and Patterson who could fill in if you're in a pinch and you can roll that transfer instead to make those plans. Yeah. I think that's a decision a lot of people are going to have to make because um, Liverpool are at home to Brighton next. Brighton with a new manager who I've heard is very attacking, so they might not be as solid defensively. So maybe people want to put Salah in the game card in the game week nine wildcard right now, or like you said, have someone like Sen or Kevin De Bruyne as a placeholder until game week twelve. So I think that's a, a decision people are going to have to make. The same with Trent. Do you put him in now at home to Brighton when they have a very good chance of a clean sheet or do you wait until game week 12 um there, I, there are a couple of the main decisions i would make if i'm on a wildcard this week i agree with you dan i think we should just spotlight that sala conversation because i would be very nervous him coming off extended rest coming into this match you know hearing all the rumors about no sala the downfall of liverpool they're not the same team they're this they're that uh, he's going to be extremely motivated and he always puts on a strong performance at Anfield. So uh, I think that building is going to be rocking and I think Brighton socks might be uh, getting rocked right off in that match. You're also slandering the Brighton players though, in a big way, they've started off in a really positive way this season. Obviously they lose their manager, but that also means that each of those players are going to have a bit of a chip on their shoulder and they've, prove that they can score goals against a lot of the other teams in the Premier League. So it could actually be a pretty cagey match. Um, I really have no idea what to expect. I would lean towards like a 2-1 Liverpool win, but I don't see Liverpool hanging three or four goals. And therefore, it still makes sense to go with Holland versus United, who have turned things around a bit defensively, but you would still lean towards Holland scoring in that match. And then his ceiling is you know, definitely, definitely a brace versus, uh, you know, the likes of Martinez, who is what, five foot eight, five foot seven. I mean, he's going to get dunked on in that match from the air. Wow. You went there. All right. Let's get into your watch list. Uh, I was going to throw in a crazy one. Maybe uh, if you had Tony in your team, he could be a really inf interesting 
differential against Bournemouth as a potential uh, kind of one week punt. If you're on wild card, bring Tony in, give him the armband against Bournemouth and kind of hope and pray that he keeps up with Holland. Cause you'll obviously have the big Norwegian uh, slotted in next to him. So uh, there's a lot of options. There's a lot of attacking players who are absolutely in form and have good matchups in the next couple of game weeks. So I think that's where the no Salah FPL approach comes from. You can get his points elsewhere this season, which was not true in either of the previous two seasons. He was, he was undeniable. He would score double digits just falling onto the pitch. Yeah. Having Holland as a captaincy option and swerving Salah is a big um, big decision for most FPL managers this season in terms of keeping him in their side or not. So heading into the wild card portion of this podcast, um, just going to give a few quick shout outs to players that are in my watch list, obviously have not committed to anything yet, but uh, in goalkeeper slot, I'm thinking about Pope or Guaita is a great option and has the pedigree, but I hate doubling up in defense and we haven't seen it work like at all this season, whether you're doubling on Chelsea, doubling on Liverpool, doubling on city. None of those situations have really played out very well. So I'm thinking about maybe saving the funds, just grabbing Gaitza. They have easy fixtures and then having Trippier in defense instead, who can get those assists and those set piece uh, threats. Black Wolf and any other FPL listeners who are on Pope, you better be praying that Brian makes that decision. Uh, otherwise, you're going to have the evil eye and the bad juju on the your curse. team also. The curse. I, I, actually, yeah, I actually really like the Crystal Palace defense shouts. They have a nice run of fixtures coming up. So I would also be looking at the likes of Guayhi and Anderson as well, um, if you're not going for Goita. So I, I like I like the Goita shout. I would be very tempted if I was on a wildcard nine to go him over Pope. Because you're also saving what 0. 0.5, 0. 0.6 million. So it's, yeah, a good it's now point, it's 0. 0.7 now, which is a good amount oh, of, wow. of cash to splash um, yeah. elsewhere in your side. So I'm definitely thinking about that. And when we move to defenders, trips is probably 99% nailed in my side, unless he falls down the stairs and uh, slips on his kids' toys or something and breaks his leg. He's an exciting player that I'm uh, looking forward to having. And then I think James and Cancelo are going to be part of my back three. James looks like he's going to be the best asset at Chelsea full stop, whether you want to pay 6 million or pay 8 million. I think he's probably worth it. And uh, fortunately for us, he's pretty cheap. So he'll stay in my side. And then also Cancelo not going anywhere. Easy options in the back. I think the, the fourth defender is where I'm having some interesting conversations, whether we go with the player like you mentioned, Black Wolf in Gehi. He's 4.4, 4.5. Delo has caught my eye to be rotated in possibly at United. He's got an 11-pointer this season and an 8-pointer, so is good on bonus when they clean. And so those things are important when you're looking at a player that you might rotate in or have as your first bench slot. So are there any other defenders, Bucks, that you're thinking of? Well, we, we touched on him earlier, but I, I definitely think that Sufal or Zuma have a case and uh, Collins will be back for Wolves turn of fixtures uh, in game week 13. And I think that could be a long-term punt. If you just want to have him as your fifth bench option, you're not going to grab him right now, but maybe that's a player you earmark on your watch list for a couple of game weeks from now to bring in. Uh, he can free up funds. I expect he's going to price fall, even though he's uh, kind of sparsely owned in the game from that red card. Um, so he's a player who I have earmarked on uh, kind of game week 10, game week 11, free up fund initiative uh, if I am going to push out my wild card. Yeah, and then for me, it's ballsy to go without TAA because I, I love the player and love his upside. But coming off of a blank for TAA and with some tough fixtures, I think it might be a decent time to swerve him. He just fell in price. And so he's kind of up in the air if I'm going to go with the likes of him or Zaha, for example, because those price points are kind of interchangeable when you're on wild card. All right, moving to the midfielders, Sun and KDB, easy on the watch list. Sun only 10% ownership compared to KDB's 32%. So that one will be a, a gut call. As an FPL manager, I like to have more 
fingers and hands in the cookie jars. So having a player to root for in the Spurs matches rather than the double up and whether Holland is going to outscore KDB or vice versa in every match. I don't love that just from a, a mentality perspective, but there's no denying KDB is a, a great option. Um, and then it's really just trying to figure out some of the mid-priced midfielders between Madison, Saka, Zaha, like we talked about, um, Foden, Diaz, all great options, um, especially if I want to maybe have another attacker from Liverpool if I skip Salah, which I'm going to. And then there are a couple of rogue shouts. Uh, Bowen doesn't make my list, but Sinistera at Leeds is a player that if funds permitting, um, you know, make me go that route, I might look at him. He's 1% owned and a complete differential, but he's got two and two for an attacking lead side that I think we're all kind of rooting for to stay up. And with Bamford still in and out of the lineup, he is responsible for a lot of uh, their attack and he's building fitness and a player that they invested in heavily after selling Rafinha. So those are the main guys on my watch list right now for midfielders. Any, anybody else I'm missing here that I should consider while on wildcard? I think you've covered all the main people here. Um, I think this is kind of the template for um, last game week and this game week, which I don't think is a bad thing at this point of the season. So I think you're good with these picks. I really like the Sinistera pick. That is one I haven't really considered. But looking at their fixtures, they have a, a nice run from 9 to 13. They have Leicester in there, Fulham, Aston Villa at home. So I really like that punt. Yeah, it's tasty. I, want, I just want to add one FPL and Premier League nugget. As of the Wolves match, KDB is now tied with Steven Gerrard for the most ever assists in the Premier League with 92, and he's done it in 287 less matches. So, uh, you know, we wax and wane about how special of a player KDB is. He really is such a midfield magician, the way that he sets up his teammates. He is a special player, and he's going to go down in the record books of as one of the greatest of all time. So he's not just great in FPL. He's great on the pitch in real life. So uh, I love that he's in my team. I wish he scored more points uh, against Wolves in that one. But uh, I'm glad he didn't because then Black Wolf would be in a terrible mood on this podcast. <laughs> Hey, I'm just going to throw a a light correction. I think Ryan Giggs is all-time leader in Premier League for assists, but uh, KDB could end up very high on those rankings uh, eventually. And he's a player that we all love watching and can easily deliver from a goal-scoring perspective too. He hasn't really totaled as many this season because everything's being funneled to Holland, but I do think his goal threat from outside the box is as good as anybody else's in the Premier League at this time too. Good shout. All right. Who's in the forward list, Brian? Yeah. Like uh, Dan mentioned, you know, it's a bit template. You're going to have Holland and then you're really deciding if you're going to have Kane in there as well. I love what I'm seeing from him just from a overall involvement standpoint. And if they're going to score more goals with Sun as well, firing, you think Kane's going to be involved either from scoring off the headers or assisting Sun. So He's a great shout and the the stats back him up too. Um, and then it's really trying to figure out whether you go with Kane or do you go with Isak, Tony, or Mitro. And all of those guys in their own right have, um, you know, really talented sides around them that are funneling the attack through them. I lean a little bit away from Isak again, because I'm not sold on Newcastle's attack. Whereas I just see Mitrovic getting funneled just a lot of chances and he's the main man on the pens for sure. And I, I kind of like him in these next fixtures where he's got Newcastle, West Ham, Bournemouth, Villa, and Leeds. I think he's going to have three, uh, three to four goals in those five matches total. So at his price tag under 7 million seems like a great shout. Yeah. One, one player that's not on here, which I've seen some people talk about, which I'm not convinced myself at all, but it's Ooh, big reveal. For, ah, for Um, their next four games they have Brentford, Leicester, Fulham and Southampton unfortunately he plays for Bournemouth that's that's the downside but at 5.7 I think he is I mean he might be a nice enabler for some people I've seen some people consider it just to throw let's talk FPL is all over Andy is all over Solanke as his uh, third striker guy but uh, that's just that's a bet on the bottom of the table I think Uh, i I made a commitment starting this season that I want to avoid players from the kind of shit teams. And uh, 
Bournemouth have that smell about them and it's not roses. So uh, he's a clear <laughs> void for, for my side, but uh, Brian, I'm interested if you're at all tempted. No, I mean, you, you have a toddler, so you're used to that smell and uh, Bournemouth definitely give it off bucks. I, I think when you, when you watch Lanky, he's actually a very talented player and I think he can do well, but when you're going to actually invest and watch these matches, you're going to see how poor the rest of the team is. And that's going to be really frustrating because he's going to be making the right runs, being in the right places, and the service is going to be terrible. And that's just going to put you off in a bad way. So um, I have thought about down the line, if I was going to downgrade Mitro or my other, you know, Tony or Isak slots, I could drop him down to Solanke if they're looking a little bit better. And then I could upgrade my midfielder back to Salah. So that is, you know, he's he's on the periphery of my watch list, but not somebody who's going to come into my wild card at this point in time. Yeah, if you're someone that wants to go with that three premium um, idea, and if you want to have two premium midfielders, Very true. then he's an option. But if you're yeah, going for the almost four, three, three, I would avoid him. Yeah. All right, boys, I know we're running a little bit long here, so want to wrap this up. We have a long international break ahead of us. Bucks and I will be back to do a game week nine preview plus my final wild card. But before we get out of here, I uh, just want to give Dan a big round of applause, some golf claps here on the Woo! pod. Thank you for joining us. Um, you know, Dan, let us know and let the listeners know where they can find you all over the place. Um, so give a give a little sound off here. Sure. Um, you can find me on Twitter, FPL underscore Blackwolf. Um, I also write for All About FPL, same username. And I'm also part of the Fantasy Football Scout Network. So you will find me giving out some little tidbits on their Ooh. page also. Um, do, you even have a, do you even have a day job? This is keeping you busy, jumping <laughs> on podcasts like the FPL. And hosting well. meetups. The guy never sleeps. <laughs> yeah, I, I like to keep busy. I, I really enjoy the community side of Twitter. So I try and get involved as much as I can. Um, but yeah, f- follow me mainly for, for Wolves news, I guess. Yeah, if Neto ever And make sure you subscribe and, and follow FPL Blues podcast. Oh, what a legend. What a legend. <laughs> Dan, I was joking you are a pro's pro, but you are a pro's pro's pro. It has been a uh, true joy to have you on the podcast and to be interacting with you on Twitter. I promise that at some, at some point when my kids go to college, I will join you and Brian for one of those way too early in the morning drink abouts in SF to watch a game. I can't wait to do that. Absolutely. And let's do another one soon, Brian. Yeah, that's right. We look forward to growing our Bay Area FPL meetups. And thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week and have a great time on international break. Tinker away, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Brian. Thanks all of our listeners. Bye now.